Monday, uh, July 29th, 2019, and this is Moment Conversation. I'm your host. I don't know. I don't know. How was your weekend, man? It was, uh, I was busy as shit, okay? I didn't do a show on Friday. Oh, apparently I'm giving fines out if you speed in my area now, but they don't have fucking speed guns, so it's just going to be on, like, uh these people's honor, I guess, so if anybody rats me out for speeding in this fucking place, they're going to have some fucking problems. Alright, so a little different show today. Um, Busy-ass weekend. Didn't do a Friday show. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on Thursday night, and uh, the movie stuck with me from the second it ended until now. Like I've, just, I've been thinking about it since. It's a phenomenal movie. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. Eventually, I'll warn you before I get there, but if you haven't seen the movie, there will be spoilers at some point, and I'll warn you a little bit when I get there. A couple things first. Uh, when you... Certain movies... And I, I was going to say t- Tarantino movies, but I've only really seen... Th- three Tarantino movies in theaters. I, I only saw the two Kill Bills and uh, Django Unchained in theaters um, and I don't know if it's it's not it's not exclusive to Tarantino but there's a different feeling when you walk out of a movie theater after having seen a great film there's a different feel to it like you just can feel it kind of soaking into your bones as you walk out it's 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 rare it doesn't happen often even good films that I really like um, didn't give me that feeling in the theater just it gives you a feeling of like the possibilities are endless of what you can do with that medium. And you're kind of you're, you're blown away a little bit by what you just saw on screen. And like I said, it you could feel it like this is only the beginning. I can't that that's a feeling I haven't had in a long time in seeing any movie theater or not. Is I can't wait to I can't wait to see the movie again. It's two hours and forty minutes long. And for the first, oh, I don't know, hour and change, I don't know what the hell was going on. I, you know, I went into the theater knowing, you know, the minimum about Sharon Tate and Manson, and I knew the movie was had something to do with that. Um, and, but for the first, like I said, hour and change, hour and a half maybe, I was lost. I don't know what the fuck was going on. I didn't know what. He was doing, and I kind of, part of me was like, I was like, this, he's losing it. Like, did he lose it? Is this it? Like, what the fuck is this? Um, and then I'll give, I'll give a landmark in a few minutes when I start with the spoilers, but then it, and then it just kind of all started to make sense, and it all comes together at the end. Um, you kind of, you know, you're just like, you're blown away. You're just take your, you're processing the whole thing. I suggest being really stoned for it, but that's... I mean, I like watching any movie like that, so it's not really exclusive uh, to this, but, I mean, that didn't hurt. I wasn't that fucked up for it. I took I took a couple um, edibles, but they were weak, and, uh, you know, nothing really... It wasn't... I wasn't, like, melting into my chair or anything like that, so... Let's see. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the critics today. I'm just... 
if you're gonna dig your heels in and critique a movie or a director, you've got your mind made up. And then you're putting somebody who's a fan of the movie in position to defend the film. I have no, I have no desire to defend the film based on your critique. It's not worth my time. You got a problem with how he treats women in films? Reach out to the actresses. Interview them. Okay? Talk, talk to people who played those roles. Talk to him. I mean, if you can get that interview, talk to him. That'd be a possible interview to get. You have a problem with his, uh, with violence, excessive violence in his films. Being played for laughs, whatever the fuck you want to say. I mean, you want to compare the way that Zed got his in Pulp Fiction to the way the hippie, um, alright, I guess we're going to get some spoilers, because that was going to be a spoiler. Um, <laughs> that was close. Alright, so spoilers coming up. But if you want to critique something like that, and say, uh, you know, you, you want to compare something that happened in... Uh, Pulp Fiction to something that happened in uh, The Hateful Eight and how it's handled on screen. Zed versus Jennifer Jason Lee's character in Hateful Eight or something like that. That's on you, man. And I, I have no desire to defend this film or him. Like it's a fight that you want to fight, but I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to fight with you. I can give you. You are more invested in it than I'll ever be in your fucking stupid ass arguments. So. Knock yourself out. Write your articles, your blog posts, or whatever. And that's it. This is a brilliant film, and oh, that's, what, that's what we're going to talk about. All right, so spoilers coming up. If you haven't seen the movie, I suggest you tune in tomorrow. Or pause it. Go right, go right just because you can't hear me. It's probably That's probably your best bet. You're like, wow, I can't listen to one of my conversations today. I probably should see this movie just so I could listen because I'm such a diehard fan. Stop what you're doing. Drop everything. Sorry, just busting around this fucking truck here. Um, Stop everything that you're doing. I don't care if you're at home. I don't care if you're at work. I don't care if you're on top of... If you're roofing and there's a big hole in the roof and the rain's going to come in 25 minutes. No, just fucking get down. Get off your ladder. Get over the theater. Put some tarp over the hole if you have to. Go to the theater. Check it out come back, finish roofing in the rain, listen to me talk about it. Alright, that's it. Um, Alright, so let's talk about it. The the main critique uh, is that happened off the bat was about Margot Robbie's lack of screen time. Um, And I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about that critique, but I'm going to talk about Margot Robbie, I'm going to talk about Sharon Tate. Now this movie... I've heard people say it was a love letter to Sharon Tate. I've heard people say... Um, yeah, I've heard people describe it. I've heard more than one person describe it as a love letter to Sharon Tate. Now, I think I think it's restorative of Sharon Tate. I think it's... It's... It's, it's creating... It's not redemptive. It's not redemption for Sharon Tate. It's not... How could it be? That's ridiculous. But it's painting Sharon Tate as she was. It's preserving her. For the past 50 years, we've been talking about Sharon Tate as a victim. We talk about the Charles Manson murders, and Sharon Tate was just one. Sharon Tate and her unborn child were one of this of, of his victims. 
you know, in recent media, there's documentaries, movies about fucking serial killers, and they're the stars. Charles Manson's the star. Ted Bundy's the star. And it's fuck. I I'm, I'm I was watching the Ted Bundy shit on Netflix. And I'm like, why the fuck am I watching this? This is fucking disgusting. I know what this guy's crimes are. I don't give a shit how he fucking pulled them off. I don't care to have. I don't care to think about this animal as anything more than some scumbag who ended lives of innocent people. So if you, I have no problem with people who watch that shit. It's just not for me, and I'm turned off by it. I'm actively turned off by it, where I just I can't watch it. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not like skeeved out by it. Like it doesn't make me make my stomach turn. It's more of like a fuck this guy. He's not worth my fucking time. And this movie, while it teased a little bit about Charles Manson in it, he's not. He's hardly in the fucking film. Sharon Tate, smaller role. But it very humanizing. Very, makes just it brings her back to that innocence of how she was, how she was before. I swear to God, if I get fucking pulled over by that fucking cop and that fucking speed trap, fucking scumbag under the bridge waiting for somebody. Not today, Charlie Police, Charlie Policeman, Charlie, Charlie Law. I'm feeling very sixties today. In the 60s, Sinatra and his gang, they, uh, everybody was Charlie something. Anyway. So, I mean, Sharon Tate, I mean, and Margot Robbie played it perfectly. It was, be- it was a beautiful performance. I don't think, she, I think all three of the, of the actors, I think, I have, have legitimate chances of being nominated. I don't know if they'll win. It's, I don't know how it's going to work. I have no idea. I don't see a lot of Oscar movies before the Oscars come out. This is going to be one of them, though. It's going to, I think all three deserve nominations for whatever the fuck they're eligible for. And yeah, you know, she didn't have a big role. Margot Robbie did not have a big role in it, but the parts that she was in, she shined through. And it was the it was the lifeblood of the movie. She would she would appear here and there, and she was she had her own linear story. And we're all watching with bated breath to see you know what happens to her. But again, I think the purpose of it. Wasn't about her. It wasn't. It wasn't. This is not a, a a movie, like a biography, nothing like that. It's just. It's to. It's to. It's to make. It's to do justice for her, in a, in a way that's not, not in that final scene. All right, it's nothing to do with that final. That final scene is Tarantino. Viol- excessive violence, with, you know, with random objects. And shit like that, flamethrowers and fucking dog food cans. That's it's just a weird. It's a weird Tarantino violent scene for a, a movie that didn't really have violent scenes. And I guess there's some. I mean, the, the the cowboy shit, but that's not really. You know, there's not much to it as far as uh, it's not excessive like that final scene. So let's let's think about Sharon Tate as she was, you know, before she was made into what was before her story was taken away from her by a fucking scumbag and his dirtbag followers. All right, so let's let's focus on her and Sharon Tate and not and not Charles Manson's of the world. Because fuck Charles Manson, he's gonna rot in prison. 
and we're and we're better off as society when a guy like that is put away forever. Adios, Charlie. Hello, Sharon. Uh, let's talk about all right. Let's tell Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, he had like the meat and potatoes of it. He was he had the range. Um, he had the range of you know he he did everything in this film from you know he he was he was drunk he was depressed he was elated he was charming but he his story is that he's the Hollywood story well him well they're all the Hollywood story but this is you know, like he he had the the range of emotions the ups and the downs you know you're in you're out are are you know are you you're a has-been, you're back, you know, this kind of, you know, here's your moment, you're a has-been, but here's your moment on the set of this TV show where you have this moment in, you know, in, in a scene where you kill it, and uh, you're back, but then you're not back, your career's over, yet you're letting your long, you're letting your buddy go, and, and then, you know, it's the ups and downs, it's a Hollywood tale, it's, which is what this is, it's a Hollywood fairy tale, and it was, uh, and Leo was the... He was the leading. He's a wannabe leading man. He's a leading man who played a wannabe leading man. And it, you know, he made up these two characters, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, and they are there to. I mean, yeah, they're there to make right a, a, a wrong that happened. You know, it's, it's but they're there's elements of the story. Their characters just elements of. of of the story that we can see something, we can get a nice Sharon Tate story instead of the grisly one that we know all that we know too well, because we know that's not what. It's, again, that's not what her life was. And we saw her in the theater. If I could go back to her one more time, we saw her in the theater, watching herself, watching the real Sharon Tate on screen in a Dean Martin movie, and. I might be the only one who appreciates this, but seeing Dean Martin on the big screen, which I've never seen him in a movie, uh, you know, in a theater, uh, that was a little treat I wasn't really expecting. So it was cool to see Dino up there, you know, with his, uh, you know, those cheesy, like, 60s lines. I can't remember the exact line, but, you know, something like a little sly remark, oh, they don't make girls like that where I come from or something, you know. And that was, like, that wasn't a very good Dean Martin impression. That was, like, that was... That was almost like Bullwinkle doing his D. Martin impression. So, not sorry about that, you know. I talked earlier about how, you know, for the first hour and a half, I was fucking lost. I didn't know, I didn't know where he was going with the movie. I think the scene where I started to kind of be... I didn't see where he was going with it, but there's a little more... You're seeing a, a take kind of a direction is when Pitt, as Cliff Booth, goes to the hippie ranch was it the spawn ranch I believe he goes over there and uh, that's where it kind of starts to come together and that's with the scene I think right that that scene yeah I think I saw somebody write it this morning that that was a scene where as Leo's stunt double is living out an actual western Leo is filming a movie western so Right, that's as DiCaprio is doing his scene in that TV show. The little girl, Brad Pitt, is walking up there. So it was right around there where I started to figure it out. And at first, 
Well, the whole beginning of that movie is just to establish Brad Pitt as this complete badass. And it's cool because all you know about him early on is he's the fucking stunt double. And he does like little things like uh, when he goes to fix the antenna, he, he, do, he jumps on like three roofs. You know, he drives extra fast. Like he's, he's whipped, He whips around, he's flying around. And you're like, yeah, of course, this is how a stunt double would probably live his life. He's driving his boss's car. He's driving uh, his, his boss around, and he's just driving regular. Just, you know, he's driving the caddy smooth, going the speed limit, being sure his boss gets from A to B without any kind of uh, legal problems, as was the issue, <laughs> which is why he was driving him to begin with. And he gets in his car, this beat-up old convertible, and he whips it out of the driveway, and he's, he flies down the road, music on. And you would assume that's just how a stuntman lives, and the edge all the time. It's always, there's not enough... You figure a guy like that has like just this need for a rush all you know, all the time. And when you're, you're a gopher and you're driving, well, just fine, it's a living, as he made it evident he didn't mind doing it and he was buddies with the guy anyway so you know he doesn't mind doing what he's got to do to make his uh, make his living but there's always that, that that need for an adrenaline rush and it's even if it's just going 80 you know sometimes it's going 80 or 90 in the fucking highway in a little convertible with the window with the with the top down so ah, okay look look this is a Hollywood fairy tale I don't I gotta go catch my fucking train. This is a Hollywood fairy tale. As told through Quentin's eyes. It goes back in time. It's... A, it's... You know, there's one scene... I'm gonna... Fuck, I could talk about this movie all fucking day. There's one scene towards the end where all the, like, marquees come on. I forget the exact ones. I forget where they were or what the specific ones were. I'm sure it's already documented somewhere. But it's, it's the beginning of the last night um, of the movie. And it's dawn, and all these marquees are going on to you know to, to welcome evening, and that, that's something that I've remember seeing in movies in the '60s movies, um, in a Dean Martin movie, Notions Eleven, where the night of the night of the heist, that's how everything goes on. The Sands goes on, um, the Tropicana, whatever the fucking uh, casinos were in that movie, they they're they're all lit up. And I just remember this morning, I'm like, oh shit, like he just pulls, and you could say he, he, he steals from, from these things, but you know what, those things aren't mainstream, and, I'm, and it's not right to quote unquote steal, but he's doing it in a way where he's doing his own thing with a lot, with, you know, stealing a shot, and making it his own thing, and making it something for you and me. So you can fucking critique the guy all you want, I don't want any part of it, alright, I don't want any part of it. We don't have a director like Tarantino anymore, we don't. It's purely original work. No superheroes, no tights, not a remake. Okay? This is purely original. And it should be a challenge to all fucking filmmakers out there. Look for originality, man. You know, the, you know, uh, one-way conversation. It's Fugazi-free zone. We know that. I don't want... Yeah, and originality is something to strive for always. Always. I struggle with it every day on the show. It's on my... Fucking favorite things to do is struggle to find something original. It's hard to do, and sometimes I get this. Today I'm going to talk about the Yankees. Okay? It's easy to do. Today I'm going to talk about a movie. Easy to do. 
Okay, but you know, once in a while you come up with something. Oh, nobody does that. Nobody did that before. Nobody ever talks about this. You know. So whatever. It should be a challenge to everybody who who makes movies. If you can't live up to Tarantino, that's fine. But and don't imitate him, right? Don't do something that's Tarantino esque. It's inspired by. Do your own thing. Make your own world. Figure it out. Figure something out. Be original. It's a fucking struggle, but it's worth it. Cause that movie, man, I cannot wait to watch it again. All right. That's it for today for one conversation. Have a great fucking day. If you haven't seen the movie, I just ruined the whole fucking thing. Well, I didn't really, I didn't really ruin it all for you, but it's worth seeing. Go to the theaters. See it in the theaters, please. Uh, there's a few scenes that, you know, it's not a big, it's not a big fight scene from Endgame. It's a fucking 1969 TV taking up your entire fucking movie screen. It's awesome. Uh, that that kind of effect would be cool at home. It's not gonna be like a scene in the theater. So check it out in the theaters if you can. Um, before it's too late. I don't know what the fuck am I, what, am I, what kind of ad is that? Before supplies are... Before, uh, supplies are limited. Alright, whatever. Alright, I'm out of here. Have a great fucking day. Don't take any shit from anybody. I'll talk to you soon here on One More Conversation.